listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. Devin, what's it called when two witches share an apartment? <laughs> um, a a booplex. No. <laughs> that's that's close. <laughs> no. They're broommates. <laughs> So cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, the that. actual answer is our twenties, but <laughs> <laughs> broommates is the actual answer from online. I'd be broommates with you again. Aw, yeah. But then I have all these other people. Sometimes I have dreams that I'm back at college, but my brain kind of understands that I'm like a grown up now. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there in college going like, fuck, well, I guess like I have to live in the dorm and obviously I can't have Matt and Liddy here. But on the other hand, I probably am going to get to go to the gym a lot more. So <laughs> at least I'll do that. <laughs> I guess br- I'll make the best of it when I have to go back to college for some unspecified nightmare reason. Oh, man. Our brains yeah. love making pros and cons lists. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the other night I was out at a work thing and I skipped out about an hour before the end and it was downtown and I was like, I'm going to go to Auntie's before it closes the fantastic bookstore. And two good things came out of going to Auntie's other than the general, like, I love Auntie's and it's great. Definitely. (sighs) It's not like Powell's big, but I'm very proud of it as an independent big bookstore go Spokane. yes good job yes. spokane and it's in the beautiful liberty building which is yes. i mean gorgeous and prime location and they've mm. branched off with uncles their games yes. components so way to go aunties so we went to aunties and one thing i did was say like hey you've had this picture in the window forever of chet Kasky's haunted hilliard when is that coming out and they were kind of like we don't really know whenever yeah. he gives them to us and i was like okay cool yeah. And then I went to their great local history section mm-hmm. and I found a book that was six ninety nine, which is exactly how much I think books should cost because yeah. I got the idea in my head when I was about 10, apparently, yeah. as to how much a paperback book should cost. And it's six ninety nine at most, probably three ninety nine. ideally. I cannot with this 12 and 15 and 18 and certainly not $30 for a hardback. That's oh ridiculous. Oh my God. I've seen hardbacks for 40 bucks. Are you kidding me? I love me some reading, but holy shit, I'll get that at the library. I don't want to read your goddamn words that much. No, I can't wait. You know how many Big Macs that is? I'll get it on Kindle. Fuck. But I got this book, and it was about a story I had never heard about. What is it? I read it, and I read other articles about it. And now I am here to tell you the story of Mercer's Bells. What? You are a Seattle person, so you, I I thought you might have heard of this, but yeah. bells as in B E L L E S, as in like oh. a lovely lady, a lovely lady from Mercer Island, I assume. No, no. Let me tell you the story. Well, Come sit on my lap like I'm Santa. Yeah. Okay. This story is set in Washington Territory in the 1860s, and so it's further back than we usually go. Yeah. So the territory in those days is really thinly populated by settlers. In 1860, in all of Washington Territory, there were less than 12,000 people who they counted in the census. Wow. Now, one of the reasons for this is because they only counted Native people if they lived with white people. Rude, guys. Come on. 
Yeah, which is just like, what? But I, I can see like the on. census logic of that, that they're like, we're not going to go to like your your tribal village or whatever and, and mess with you because you're okay. not citizens of the U.S., but it was still a very strange choice. Okay. So, yeah, they had 11,138 white people, 426 classified as Indian, and 30 quote-unquote free coloreds. Hmm. Yeah. Don't you love having to be historically accurate sometimes on this podcast? Some words you get to say. You have to say them. The free colored pencils. There, now I feel better about saying it. Um, So, that number seems deceptively small because it's only counting a very small proportion of the actual native population. Right. But, notably in the white population, 75% of them were men. Yeah. Yeah, it was a sausage fest. Basically, (laughs) every woman was married, right? And if you were a dude who was out there and you were marriage age and you wanted to marry a woman, you had a couple choices and none of them were considered great. So, like, what would you do? Imagine you're you're Olaf and you're 17 and you're ready to take yourself a bride. Uh, I would invent Tinder. Mm-hmm. Good choice, good choice. Um, uh, no, <laughs> if if I wanted to take myself a bride, right, and I'm 17 uh-huh. and there are no marriageable women around, I mean, I guess that's why the school marm was always in high demand, right? Yeah, and yeah. well, there's not really school marms because there's not really a lot. There's cause there aren't kids, kids, but there's not a lot of school marms. Can I go woo a whore? Well, you probably could, but in this time, all of the sex workers are native women. So... Shacking up with native women was common, but right. both sides of it kind of frowned on it, right? Like, it wasn't well, a great social prospect for people from either direction. That's how Brad Pitt's character died in A River Runs Through It. Oh, sure. I mean, it's what? not, but it, it, you know, he had gambling <laughs> debts, but he had right. a Native American girlfriend openly, wasn't just bang- banging her, was mm. dating her. Shoot, Liz, do you, I mean, they don't have mail order brides? No. So there's a couple things you can do. You can have fantastic prospects and attract one of the very, very few unmarried women who who come out. Or you can haul yourself all the way back east and go get one. Yeah. Like you're going to Ikea. Like you're hunting. prohibitive. Okay. You're like, come here. So it was very hard. None of these options were great. And it was seen as causing a lot of problems because this is the Victorian era, right? Like mm-hmm. a good woman is the angel of the household and she's a civilizing effect. Oh, she's yes. She's cornerstone of the Western world. Oh, so yes. So if you have no women, you have no wives, you have no school teachers, they're not so much worried about the nurses because like this is the same time as the Civil War, which was really one of the first times that Americans accepted women as nurses. Yeah. 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 Oh, I have a great business idea. Is this what happens? Maybe I would be a lady on the East Coast and I would be like a madam, but a matchmaker. And I would bring out a bevy of bells who are all marriageable. And I'd be like, gentlemen, you can pay me 50 golds and I'll let you go on a date. (laughs) 50 golds because it's World of Warcraft. (laughs) (laughs) And an ice cold milk. (laughs) <laughs> some, it's on a rat some for wage. some reason. <laughs> yes. What, what are oh you doing? God. What are you doing? You don't carry don't glasses. Drink rat milk. No. What are you doing? Okay, so you are fucking 
on the right track. <clears throat> there was just an article that, that just came out about the gender disparity in like India and China and any place where they're having like sex selective abortion. Right. And some of the stuff that they talk about, you're like, oh, this is bad. And some of the stuff you're like, this is only a problem if you think that women exist to serve men. <laughs> and that's certainly what they thought in the 1800s. But yeah. one of the problems that came along is... Um, a young woman named Mary Conklin in 1853, she used to be married to a whaling captain and he marooned her at Port Townsend. I don't know what she did. <laughs> but she, on First and Main in Seattle, managed the Felker House, which was uh, the first inn in Seattle, sometimes the courthouse. And she was known as Mother Damnable because she <laughs> could cuss in six languages. <laughs> oh, She's yes. She's one of us. She can hang. Yes. And she opened a brothel by some yeah. accounts. But okay. anyway, you are so on the same track as Asa Mercer. Mm. So Asa Shan Mercer, born June 6th, 1839 in Princeton, Illinois. Okay. Comes out to Seattle. Comes out to Washington Territory. And in 1861, he's a member of one of the founding families of Seattle. He helps his brothers clear all the stumps out of the way to make room for the University of Washington. Okay. They're like, yeah, let's have a university. It's like nobody's fucking here yet. Like there's no. less than 12,000 people in the entire thing. And so they make a building and the stone pillars from the building that became are still around. And... He, Asa, becomes the university's only teacher and also its president because he's literally the only guy in Seattle who has graduated from college. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, what? they may have jumped the gun a little there. Oh, my gosh. I guess they did. Did he graduate from his own college? You no. know, just I founded my college and now I'm an honorary <laughs> PhD. I'm in charge of all the things. So, yeah, Asa was about, he was in his early 20s. Okay. And he looks around and he's like, I really want Seattle to be a great place, but I don't see Seattle working out unless we address the sausage fest situation. <laughs> so what he comes up with is he's like, I will go east and I'm going to find women who are willing to come out here. Because what's happening in the East at the time is the Civil War is doing two things. One, killing off a ton of men. Yeah. And two, really, really fucking up the mill industry. So in the Northeast, one of the few jobs women could do was work in the mills. Right. right? Not if there's no Southern cotton. There's no cotton. I remember that from Gone with the Wind. Thank you, yep. blockades. Yep, exactly. <laughs> blockades will come back into the story in a little bit. Um <laughs> So he was like, aha, they have the opposite problem over there. I will just go get some of those women and bring them over here. Good thing I noticed the similar situations. <laughs> it really explains itself. And so he was like, okay. So he goes over to Massachusetts and he goes and he like talks at churches and various social gatherings and says, look, Seattle is on the grow. And it needs educated ladies of good moral standing to be teachers. So if you go ah. west with me, you'll get to work in a school and you'll get paid good wages. I think it is completely all over the place, according to who you talk to, as to whether he was explicit about, like, you need to go get married. Yeah. So the book I got was The Journal of a Reporter. 
And he's very flip about it, but one of the women he talks to is kind of like, well, I'm going out there to be a teacher, but obviously if a good offer comes my way, I'm not going to turn it down. So I have right. a feeling that's probably how they approached it. Like, All right. it's a good job, and also it would be nice to be a hot commodity. Right. <laughs> so Right. You, you think that yeah. there'd be a way they could swing that to say, hey, guess what? We have 9,000 eligible bachelors out west. Do you want to come that way and be a teacher? Yeah. You don't have to be explicit. Yeah. Have money. (laughs) But. Right. Right. So the prospect of finding a husband back east was a little harsher. And so Mercer says, here's the deal. If you pay me $250, I will escort you all the way. Like, there's no Panama Canal, right? We're going to go all the way down from New York City to Panama. We're going to journey across the isthmus by train then we'll take a boat up to san francisco and seattle and one of the things that he did to really enhance the respectability of this is he had lined up respectable married couples in seattle who said we will be your host families i see so yeah and he tried to be very specific like look this is not a voyage of ill repute like i we are gonna do this right yeah and he managed to talk Eight women at first into coming with him. Okay. <laughs> Which doesn't sound like much. Okay. They ranged in ages from 25 to 35. One of them was the dad of two of the young ones. So there was Georgia Pearson and Josie Pearson, 15 to 19. And their dad, Daniel, came with them. Uh, apparently because he was sick and he thought a change of climate might be good. Uh... But I think also to just be like, I'm not handing over my teenage daughters to you. Uh, Yeah, we know why daddy-o went. Yeah. <laughs> and then in New York, they pick up three more people. Okay. So he ends up with 11 women, which does and doesn't sound like a lot for this plan, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you think about, okay, well, that would be about a tenth of a percent of the population at the time. So, like, yeah. in terms of how many white women between the ages of 15 and 30 there were, this was probably a pretty substantial increase. Well, I'm trying to figure out how that was lucrative for him, because that's only 2500 bucks ish to mm-hmm. get all these people thousands of, 10,000 miles down and around mm-hmm. safely and back up to Seattle. So doesn't that, I mean, I feel like even 200 years ago, that cost more than $250. Well, I feel like he's losing money now. He may have been, because part of this was that he was just like, I'm going to do this as a good citizen. He was not really trying to make a tremendous amount of money off it. But, yeah, that's a lot of work. Boy, stack paper. You can do both. Just because you are a nonprofit doesn't mean you can't make a profit. Exactly. So everything went wrong on this journey. It was like, <laughs> oh. oh, you know, the ship's delayed, and there's a blockade, and there's a delay in the ship, this, that, and the other thing. Oh, dear. So it's, it's a hard trip, right? Yeah. They make it up. They leave in March. They get to Seattle late on May 16th, 1864. There's, like, nobody there. They get taken to the only hotel, which I think is the one that Mother Damnable That Mother ran. Damnable, yep. Yep. And then they hold a reception at the University Hall, the one building, they have <laughs> at, at University of Washington. And... 
They express a vote of thanks. They welcome them to our youthful country and they thank them for the self-sacrificing spirit they had manifested in leaving the loved firesides of happy homes to plod life's weary way on this northwestern coast. And all but two of the women got married really shortly. Yeah. (laughs) That part was really good. Two of them didn't. Unfortunately, little Josie Pearson died she got sick oh and no died was she the after was she the 18 year old um, was she one of the 19. two the yeah, <gasps> yeah she was one of the girls oh sorry josie yeah that's rough and then there was also lizzie ordway who we'll come back to she was the 35 year old okay come back to her so this was such a success that Mercer is like, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> and he says to Seattle, I am going to bring you back 700 women. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which, like, you can scale that differently, dude. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> well, I had like 11 this time. So next time, 700. I, <sighs> he's doing no. the fake it till you make it. He's on Instagram being like, boss babe, living it. my best life. <laughs> Like carefully cropped. Yep. Oh my god. Yep. There were a lot of problems with this. One is that this second one got a lot more media coverage. And in a time when they really needed happy stories, everybody loved making fun of this. Like they made fun of him, no. they made fun of the women, they made fun of the husbands. No. So basically one of the things they're saying is like you are going to go and get handed to the crustiest, grossest old prospector. They implied that the women were not of good moral character, <gasps> that they were actually, you know, promiscuous and right. old and None of this. They were terrible. None of this seems to have actually been the case. But it didn't help him recruit. So this time he was basically saying, he thinks this through, and I think he must have come to the same conclusion as you, which is $250 a head is not enough for this. (laughs) No. So (laughs) what he does this time is he says, you sponsor him. And he says, if you give me $300, I'll bring you a suitable wife. (laughs) Yep, there you go. Yeah, more like it. There That's you go. like supply, demand. Yep. Think it through like that. Yep. And he was also trying to get um, underwriters for this. And it did not work out well, especially, again, with all the, the drama and the mockery. Really? <laughs> Which is so sad. And then people got very mad about the whole, you know, concept, I guess. They... They, at this point, the West was sort of this byword for sex work. And they're like, haha, you know, this is clearly going to just be a bunch of gross people hooking up with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Ace is not married. And they're like, what are you doing, man? Oh. What is your problem? Yep. He's he, and he needed to get married and have the lady help him do that. And then that gives it a sheen yeah. of respectability. She can be a chaperone. All right. Mm-hmm. Asa, I'm a yeah. better Victorian than you are. This is stupid. Yeah, you would have been very helpful as Mrs. Mercer, I think. Totally. Yeah, so I have Roger Conant was a journalist who went on the second trip basically just to, like, live blog it and make fun of them. (laughs) To live blog it, but, like, is he telegramming it back, you know? Are people getting this kind of live? (laughs) He kept a journal and he published it serially. Okay. So people were kind of getting it live. Yeah, but the the boat itself was actually pretty nice. All right. So let me read to you. On each side are large and pleasant staterooms, which will be made as pleasant and cozy as the most fastidious young lady could desire. Mm. A number of sewing machines will be fastened to the floor. Good, good. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> a large bathing room. Let's see. There's a room for the doctor. There's a library with interesting and instructive reading matter. There's lifeboats, all this kind of stuff. All right. So I read this book and it's informative, even though it's kind of insulting because. Yeah. Roger seems to be alarmed by women in any group larger than two. <laughs> like, he talks about them like they're this sort of, like, he calls them the virgins, for one thing. Oh, gross. And he describes them in these sort of, like, hysterical, I don't know, vaudevillain kind of terms. Okay. I guess. Where they're just always, like... You know, rushing around in a big fluttery, shrieking yes. group reacting to things. Oh, yes. In a flapping tizzy, skirts swaying, yes. a bonnet's askew. Right. And I'm like, I have the feeling they probably, you know, like he makes it a big joke that they all have seasickness and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But some of it actually made me laugh. Some of it I actually thought was pretty funny. Okay. So let me see. I'm going to read you some good stuff. He's not just a dick. He's actually funny as well. Yes. He, he didn't really name most of them, but he, you know, he do the whole thing like Mrs. B blank, I blank kind of stuff. Right. Let's see. So Miss B blank, I blank is a very nice lady, always smiling and pleasant and ready to help anyone in trouble. She is blessed with a remarkable appetite. And although she sits at the first table is able to sit through the second and is the last one to leave it. Some of the girls have given her the title of soup destroyer. (laughs) (laughs) I like soup destroyer quite a bit. That's sweet. Not, hey, hey, fat ass. It's soup destroyer. It's great. (laughs) It makes her sound very powerful. Doesn't it? One of the big problems is trying to separate, according to him, is trying to separate these young ladies from all the sailors. (laughs) Because, Mm. of course, the sailors are like, wow, this is fantastic. Love it. So, of course, whenever there's a quiet moment, they're, like, pairing off and hanging out and playing games that I have no idea what they... I don't know how you play Copenhagen. Ugh, that's not a I'm game. Sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't just and name Mercer, things after places and call them games. It's not fair. No. Don't know what the fuck this is. But uh, what Conan kind of gets across is that Mercer only has really minimal control over what these women are doing. I think they're kind of like, whatever. Like, uh, what are you yeah. going to do about it? Yeah. So, he keeps trying to separate them from the sailors, and he's like, no, don't play cards. No, don't walk around on the deck with them. <laughs> so, at one point, he's trying to, like, herd them all back downstairs, and he wakes up at 10 o'clock and goes up and he's like, oh, crap, they're all up here. And he he finds the captain. And he's like, don't you think it'd be a good idea if they all went to bed at 10 o'clock? And the captain's like, I think it'd be a very good plan. But if you can get them to bed at that time, that's more than I can do. <laughs> so he tries to, like, go on deck and he puts his hand on the shoulder of one of the girls and says, go to bed. And she says, I won't. And runs away to the other end of the boat. And then all the girls start marching up and down going, go. Go to bed. Go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> and as Conan puts it, and go to bed, they didn't till they got ready. <laughs> like this sounds like the rowdiest fucking sorority, red hat, like oh women God. in large groups with not enough to do yeah. and get into some shit. We can be a bad influence on each other. We will and sass like you. A thing, 
Yeah, they're just like, hooray, I'm not seasick anymore. Oh, God, I don't know right? what the fuck I've got myself into. Right. But let's have some good times. Why not? <laughs> Stringent moral codes, gone for the first time in my life. Some kind of chaperone, gone for the first time in mm-hmm. my life. I'm in the middle of an ocean where I very likely could die tomorrow because mm-hmm. I don't understand circumnavigation or sea charts. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm going to talk to some fucking sailors. You bet your ass. Quit calling me the right? virgin, by the way. Because, like, Asa is, like, maybe 28 at this point. So he's younger than some of them. He's certainly not, oh, like, God. their dad's age. No, he is ill-equipped yeah. for that. He's a little brother <laughs> at that point. Yeah, he's a little brother. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have a dad energy. But one of the things that does happen, and um, Conan doesn't say who this was, but as he puts it, poor deluded young man... He imagined that simply because he was the agent of the expedition, that all the virgins were desperately in love with him and were only waiting for him to offer himself to fly into his arms. So at one point, there's one young woman. He gives her no indication that this is what's going to happen. But he invites her into his stateroom and says, I love you. I want to marry you. And opens his arms and smiles fondly upon her. And she laughs in his face and runs out. Oh, gosh. And- <laughs> Oh, gosh. She's just like, what the crap? What are you doing? No. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm not desperate. I'm going out there to do, like, that's such a case of, like, don't eat before you get to the store. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Why am I going to commit myself to you when I could go and have literally 9,000 other men to pick from? Right. And you've done nothing but try to make me go to bed. Yeah, you don't sound fun at all. No. You are not a party good time guy. No. All I know about you is you apparently have the free time to do this kind of shit. No. Exactly. Yeah. You're the f- so according to Conan, he had, he labeled Mercer's having petticoats on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he wrote her a note. He was like, okay, well, that approach didn't work. So he writes her a note that says... It's got all kinds of pretty little speeches. If she would only consent to embark with him on the shingle of matrimony, they would sail together as happy as two cooing doves down life's dark, surging waves. If she still refused, he would consider it a great favor if she would return the note. So she reads it, walks up to him, and goes, here's your note, old pop. (laughs) Oh, man, that's mean. That's cold-blooded, dude. It's cold-blooded, but I'm also like, goddamn, that's great. It is. It's like, you really have to put a little energy into getting to know me, man. You can't just be like, I'll have this one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very one-sided. Right? But they they can hold their own. Because there's one part where there's a a woman sitting on the hurricane deck sewing, and apparently an engineer comes and sits down by her side, and they're chatting, and, like, everything is fine. And he puts his arm around her waist, and she buries her needle in his arm. (laughs) Yeah, And he's like, ah! (laughs) <laughs> I says, what made you do that? She said, your arm was not in its right place, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Told him. Love it. Told him is right. And this mm-hmm. this might be anecdotal or apocryphal. I don't recall the origin of this story, but I remember ladies having hat pins and then using yes. them to stab people on trolleys who Absolutely. got fresh yes. with them. And someone... Some man, you know, tried to put forward a bill limiting the length of a lady's hat pin because that absolutely happened. Okay, because at a certain point they just had like fucking swords in their heads, and we should go back to that. We should go back to that. Do the Wonder Woman keep it down the back of your dress, man? 
Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So there were other people on the boat with them, including the two babies were born on this boat, not uh, any of the virgins. Oh. But <laughs> I'm like, that's a long trip. Like, But, you know, it was pre-birth control days, so it's not like you could be like, well, let's wait to have a baby. Right. If you were, if you were married and you were fucking. Like, right. You were going to have it when you had it. Yep. So there was a family there and they had a baby. And one of the girls was like, oh, I love the baby. My little darling, I wish you were mine. And the dad says, I only know one way to get him. (laughs) 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 She like throws the baby at him and runs away. Oh my God. The whole thing is just this great like stupid hyper sexed yeah ridiculous energy yeah and again like one of the things that roger conan leaves out of his book which other people have spoken to is that he also was hitting on these young ladies uh-huh uh, <laughs> yeah yeah figures but of course he doesn't put in like his humorous rejections oh, no. or anything or his delusions no no no, no. none of that at one point, they accidentally somehow managed to sidle into a blockaded port. Oh, God. And when they leave, they're getting shot at. Yeah. But they make it. They're okay. Only All one right. person dies on this, and it's because there's, like, a fight between some of the sailors. And anyway, it's sad. But so they mm-hmm. end up in what is called the Eveless Eden, where men are so cheap and women are so dear. They eventually get there. (laughs) That's also so sad. (laughs) You're a dime a dozen, guys, literally. Yeah. We don't care. Doesn't matter. But, again, they end up getting married. Now, they live with these families. Some of them... I mean, they don't just, like, get put up on the auction block in a gross way. Right. right? Like, they actually get courted by people. So one of the stories that gets told a couple years later is that there were two ship captains that were actually courting these two girls. And the problem was the captains were going to take the girls horseback riding. But at the time, there was only one good riding horse in the city. Oh, no. So on the first outing, one of the gentleman callers got the good horse. And on the second date, he only had, like, a crappy horse, and that (laughs) did not work out. Oh, didn't it? No. She had choices, man. She had options. She really did. (laughs) She did not have to put up with somebody who cannot uh, pull this through and and get the good horse every time. Exactly. Yeah. So some of it, there was a woman who was a widow who came out. She brought her mother and three sons. That's a hard pass. As Conan said, the neck of the youngest of whom we were on the point of ringing at least a dozen times during the voyage. (laughs) But she married an old backwoodsman who could neither read nor write. It says he was introduced about three this afternoon to widow W. At six, he offered her his heart and hand was accepted. Nine o'clock, just one hour ago, they were married. We do not know which of the two has been the most badly sold. (laughs) Right. I'm sure they worked it out. I'm sure they did. But that's like, you both settled. How did you both settle? How are you? How'd you both settle? Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Right. So of the women of Mercer's girls or Mercer's bells who came out, All but two eventually got married. One of them was the poor young woman who died. Yes. And the other one was Lizzie Lizzie Ordway. Yes. Lizzie had high standards. She's also 35, which is really on the shelf at that time. Totally. 
But she taught in schools. They actually did make schools. And she said the first time that she actually (laughs) opened a school in 1870, she opened the first building in Seattle to be a school, Central School. She rang the bell and more than 100 kids showed up. No way. She was like, oh, no. (laughs) I picked one of her. (laughs) So she said... I had to send the younger ones home to ripen a little. <laughs> and she told the school board, she's like, we need to get another teacher also. Uh, yeah. She was badass. Like, one of the reasons why I really appreciate Lizzie is she became superintendent of Kitsap County Schools. She was a friend of Susan B. Anthony. Dang. And they made a female suffrage society that lobbied in Olympia to give women the vote. Dang. Yeah, here we go. A woman friend described Ordway as admired for her charm and wit, a clever and interesting conversationalist who loved a good argument, and Washington's first career woman. So she died in 1897 at age 69, and she was remembered by a description she applied to herself. So this is how she talked about herself. She didn't call herself, like, the spinster Mm -hmm. or the one left on the shelf. She said, I'm the Mercer girl who reserved her affections for her students. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a sweet sentiment. I don't have an offer that's good enough for me to stop being a teacher. Because back then, you had to stop being a teacher if you got married, right? Right. (laughs) Because what if a child saw a pregnant woman? What Uh, Oh, dear God. What will they... I'm sorry. They're 12 to a room while their parents fuck like rabbits just making more (laughs) babies. But they can't have a teacher be pregnant. No, dear God, no. Unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. Yeah. So a lot of the early schools in that area, including, like, on Whidbey Island, let's see, the Smith Prairie School, Coopville High School, all of these were taught by Mercer girls. And then they got married. So they, a lot of the Mercer girls' descendants still get together. They are still represented in Seattle. That's so fun. I really mixed feelings about the fact that the Seattle chapter of Daughters of the American Revolution refers to themselves as Mercer girls because I'm like, A, it's just confusing because uh, you're not. All. Yeah. And B, I'm not, I don't, I don't really trust any organization that's based on genealogy like that. Yeah. But I love that they still have this wonderful feeling toward the Mercer girls <laughs> that they all did get married and they got to teach and right except you know Lizzie who got to be like all right I'm just gonna be a badass right. and do my thing and be elected superintendent and stuff that was an elected position right right yeah they left their mark on Seattle history in such a big way these what did it end up being I think it was 11 on the first round and 38 on the second round 38 my god Goodness, no wonder he couldn't get them all to go to bed. That is... No kid, go to bed. Go to bed. so amazing. So amazing. These are all women who actually are quite praiseworthy for having the courage Mm -hmm. of their convictions to travel. I mean, that's got to be a 10,000-mile trip to go down and around through the Panama area and to come back up and to not only teach like you said you would and then get married like you wanted to. Or Lizzie, who was just like, but this is what I want right now. Mm-hmm. Fuck societal yeah. pressure. Fuck all of your offers. Yeah. This is what I want to do. Right? And, like, they're leaving the United States, basically. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. leaving all this behind. Some of them were Civil War widows. 
leaving yeah. with their kids. And it's like, okay, well, you're never going to see any of your extended family no. again. You're never going to see a city again. Like, welcome to Seattle. We have mud. <laughs> oh, I had a good description here. Where's the description? <laughs> That's still the motto, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. It must have been interesting. Apparently, every time their boat pulled up, like at San Francisco, it was basically almost a fight because a lot of the men in San Francisco were like, stop here, stop here, stop here. <laughs> yeah, come, come on now. And they're like, no, you can't get off. These are time. reserved. Yeah. <laughs> we have plans. God damn it. <laughs> Spoken for. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> he could have gotten associates, yeah. though, to do the same thing, but for San Francisco. There you go. Okay, here we go. So here's the description that Roger talks about the first time he sees Seattle. Cut out a clearing from a dense forest on a side hill one mile long and a quarter of a mile wide. Put about 50 houses in this clearing. Divide the settlement into two streets filled up with sawdust. <laughs> Give yeah. the place three hotels Five boarding houses and 17 grog shops, and you have a fair idea of Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> like, at that point, they were happy to be off the boat, but... Oh, definitely. It's just been like, what on earth? Because, like, what are you going to do if you can't get a job teaching? Like, that must have been very scary. I'm sure. You, I mean, then you'd have to get married to the wealthiest yeah. guy that would take your jobless ass. Yeah, Exactly. Oof, but yeah, what a bold move. I, mm-hmm. It's just very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I like that they are so fighty. I really I like, like that. I, I don't think we see enough depictions of women being feisty pre, yeah. like, women's lib. I mean, even suffragettes, I think it's a fairly sanitized mm-hmm. version of what yeah. they said and did and represented. It's not until you get this bra-burning image that is very hard to see as anything but aggressive or defiant Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to see or to hear a version of women being, I mean, they're not being mean, but they're they are obviously being defiant. They're not kowtowing to the man just because he's in charge. Yes. He did end up marrying one of them. And I don't know if it was the one who he had proposed to. Presumably not. I hope but, not. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just love it. They're like, they're fighty and then they go on and they get married and they're influential yeah. or they don't get married and they're influential. Yeah. So it's not just like... They existed, and then they disappeared. It's like, no, they really were key players in making this little place become a real city. Yeah, to actually establishing it as a community as opposed to a flat spot in the uh, shoreline. (laughs) Now I have to look up and see if Mercer Island is named for him. Bet it is. I do know that there's, you know, Mercer Hall in Seattle, obviously named after him. Uh, Mercer Hill or Mercer Street. Oh, so, okay, he also had a very influential brother who some of this stuff is named after. Yo. Judge Thomas Mercer. Not fair. So Mercer Island, it just says it's named after the Mercer family. That's all we got. Ugh, that's too egalitarian. Pick a side. (laughs) Yes. I want it to be named after Asa and Mercer's Bells. So this actually inspired a, a show at one point. It was in 1968, and it was called Here Come the Brides. (laughs) (laughs) And it ran for, I think, three seasons, and it was just as good as you would gather from that title. Yeah. I listened to the theme song today, and I'm like, wow, that is terrible. That's just terrible. Oh, dear. I I imagine it was some kind of trying to ride that petticoat junction. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) You failed, friends. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's the story of Mercer's Bells. Just bold women who were like, fuck it. I'll go to Seattle. Sure. Jesus. Did you really just tell me a story that was basically happy, had no serial killers, didn't have a cryptid, and only one yeah. person dies? I think I did. <laughs> yeah. There was no you? sexual assault. Like, some people got their feelings a little bit hurt. A little some bit. people got yelled at. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Has to be the nicest story we've had on this. Yes, even Nobuo had a lot of death in even it that. until the sweet part. And this was just like, hooray, an adventure. Hooray, an adventure. Women on Go an adventure. <laughs> you know what? Those girls really needed to know Stagecoach Mary. She could have been their ringleader. Yes, she would have been great for them. That must have been so exciting for them, too, to be like, oh, my God, for the first time in our lives, yeah. the dominant energy in this space is feminine. And, yeah, I bet Don't those sewing think? machines got a lot of work oh, yeah. right Tons like, of everybody's use. getting pitched all over the place by the weather and they're running around with sailors yeah i'm sure they were just sewing up a storm totally making like a whole trousseau or whatever the french yeah. pronunciation of your wedding outfit is <laughs> the food was apparently started out decent and then by the end one of them was like i paid 25 dollars for these teeth and if you keep feeding us these we're not gonna have any teeth by the time we get to seattle <laughs> boom love yeah. it love there it was a passel of sassy francis's <laughs> that's what Mercer we are sassy francis squad we're a show for a passel of sassy francis's <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Little Sassburgers. I love it. I, I'm i happy I got to tell you a happy story. What a good one. Wild women. Northwestern women. Really in the spirit of all of it. I, I just enjoy their whole vibe. <laughs> They're yeah. the perfect foremothers for yeah. Washington. They really are. Well, look at how much positivity and self-worth they had yeah. just knowing they were such a precious commodity. Yeah. They're like, excuse me. Yeah. I'm not going on another date with you unless you can get a better horse than this. Thank you very much. <laughs> you need to bring your A-game. Not to be a gold digger, but I do know my yeah. worth. Yes, I do know my worth. Thank you very much. <sighs> well, folks, if you want to always be in the loop on all kinds of exciting expeditions like this one or to mm-hmm. get to hear the theme song to here come the brides <laughs> are you sharing that on patreon liz uh i actually shared the theme song on twitter okay where people can find us on twitter facebook and instagram they can go to patreon where we will have put all the outtakes from this episode i i imagine people can always tell when i'm editing because that's where all the outtakes go up <laughs> yes. but it also has lost episodes and excerpts and book previews and all kinds of good stuff for show notes and so forth you can go to weejabrods.com is there anything I'm forgetting? Oh, yeah. You can rate and review and subscribe on iTunes and Podbean. And we love that you listen to us and it makes us very happy. It does. Oh, I wanted to thank our new patrons. I like how I was just talking about them. It didn't even yeah, I get far enough to like. Tried. Trala, what's your name? Nobody knows. Tried to give you an intro, bud. But for new supporters, I'd like to thank Tony and Lisa for your support on Patreon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And in the meantime, everybody, you know what I'm going to recommend. Yep. You got to live weird. You got to die weird. And stay weird. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.